everyone, and welcome to Representation in Cinema. We talk about the representation of black, brown, and indigenous people in movies. This podcast is hosted by Our Voices Project. Our goal is to dismantle destructive stereotypes of minority groups perpetuated in the media by producing films centered on the multifaceted experiences of black, brown, and indigenous people. Our Voices Project is also a committed community partner, providing opportunities to affirm racial and cultural identities, empowering students as agents of social change, and contributing to an individual's learning through cultivation of critical thinking. I'm Jackie McGriff, co-founder, director, and producer for the Our Voices Project, and joining me on today's podcast is Annalisa Rogers. Thanks for being here, Annalisa. Hey, thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. And next up, making her second appearance on the podcast today is Rosa Vargas Cronin. You might recognize her from our podcast episode about the film Sugar, as well as the woman at the center of our documentary currently in production, Prieta. Welcome back, Rosa. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Prieta, the film that up until this point we've been referring to as the Dominican Dream, is the story of an Afro-Caribbean Roman from the Dominican Republic, who, rooted and emboldened by her ancestors, the enslaved Taino people, reveals her immigration story of hardship and her brazen attitude, moving her beyond survival, but thriving in a society that consistently threatens her quality of life and existence. You can see a trailer to that film on our website at ourvoicesproject.com. All right, so now on to today's film. Wakanda Forever is the sequel to Black Panther that tells the story of the Wakanda royal family picking up the pieces felt after King T'Challa's death, a tribute in honor and memory of the late Chadwick Boseman. Queen Ramunda, Shuri Mbaku, Okoye, and the Dora Milaje fight to protect their nation from intervening world powers. As the Wakandans strive to embrace their next chapter, the heroes must band together with Nakia and Everett Ross, to forge a new path for their beloved kingdom. The film stars Letitia Wright, Dominic Thorne, Angela Bassett, Denai Guerrera, Lupita Nyong'o, Winston Duke, and Tenok uh, Huerta. Wakanda Forever is directed by Ryan Coogler. So, if you haven't watched the film already, you can watch it in theaters now, or if you're listening later on, I'm sure it'll be on Disney Plus at some point. You can also rent the film, I'm sure, uh, watch it, and then come back to listen to our podcast. From here on out, we'll be discussing the film in depth, so spoilers ahead, and as always, you have been warned. All right, so, everyone, what's one thing that immediately pops into your head that stood out to you the most? Well, definitely the female and women empowerment was the first one that pops yeah. in my head, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I 100% agree with Rose on that. The women empowerment was was really huge, but I think the funeral scene was also pretty powerful as well. Which one? Well, <laughs> right. right, which one indeed? I mean, dag, that's all I can say. They've got Dag. the funerals down, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I, oh my gosh. That first, so when, oh my God, where do we even get, like, the you already know, you're like, you're going in, you're like, okay, at some point, I'm going to be just an absolute wreck, because of course we lost Chadwick Boseman, who is, you know, not only this incredible actor, but also he meant, and the character of Black Panther, he put a lot into that role and he was a symbol to a lot of us in the black community 
and then the world at large. Um, and so to lose him and then for this film to really be paying homage to him, like that's a lot. So we're already going into this em- like super emotional. And then it's that scene and it's the, the procession. Like, so you have the family and those that are closest to him in the center and they're very, you know, they're, they're grieving and then surrounded by them is like, so people in the kingdom, they're celebrating cause it's the celebration of his life, right. And his legacy. And so there's this, you see this juxtaposition happening, you know, mm-hmm. where there's a, there's grief and then there's happiness and celebration and, and, and joy, um, you know, for the life that he lived. Um, I, and I wanted to know actually, so with that, Again, already super heavy. Um, but like with, with that, what was going through your mind when seeing that juxtaposition? I, I think for me, it was like, it was looking at the whole the whole picture, listening to the music, listening to the words people were saying, actually feeling them grieve because, mm-hmm. you know, it really was Chadwick Boseman yeah. that they were actually really grieving. It right. wasn't just another Marvel character. Mm -hmm. It was, it's him. It's the loss of the character Black Panther and everything that that represented. Mm -hmm. But also the fact that it was a celebration. The fact that they were wearing white instead of, you know, what people would consider normal funerary, you know, styles of clothing. Mm -hmm. It was all white and it was a celebration. It was considered more of a home going than it was actual funeral, which I really deeply appreciated. Right, Absolutely. And I feel like that's when they brought in a lot of the African influences mm-hmm. because I, I know in Dominican Republic, in funerals, we do wear white and we want to, you know, show that kind of ascension into the into their new home or um, kind of just celebrating that person's life mm-hmm. and, exactly. and the legacy that they left behind. So I loved that, mm-hmm. that they really incorporated that African culture yeah. into... Um, into ce- the celebration of Chadwick Boseman, and and not just that, but then also, you know, like what's to come. You know, mm-hmm. that juxtaposition, like that's yeah. showing. You know, like yes, it's sadness and saying goodbye, but mm-hmm. also a celebration of what he's left and what we have to keep carrying. You mm-hmm. know, right. what we have to keep. Yeah. And, and piggybacking off of Rosa, it was a transition. It is a transition. Right. You know, you go from, you know, celebrating this life to, you know, figuring out, well, you go through these steps where you're grieving and then it's like, okay, it's a renewal because it is mm-hmm. essentially yeah. a change for right. so many people and yeah. what they're going to do moving forward, but still recognize and appreciate the life that was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. They did a great job with that. Absolutely. An incredible job. Okay, so you guys were talking about, <laughs> you're like, which funeral? Um, Yeah, so the one at the beginning. And then did you, was were you as shocked as I was that queen, like the queen, like met her death? Like, I don't know. I was not, I did not see that coming. I don't know for any of you, how was that? And then do you feel like it was like, you barely had time to kind of react to that or I don't know. What were your thoughts about it? I was shocked to tell you the truth. I'm like, okay. I 100% agree. I was like, you like Chad was leaving. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was but shocking. I think too. The other thing that sh- was shocking to me is like, 
you know, the way they made Angela Bassett look. Yeah. You know, they they tried to make her look aged with the <laughs> white hair and the white dreads, but it didn't really work out no. well. No. no but she's yeah. so beautiful. Mm-hmm. She really is. What you put like, I want to age gracefully like that. She's 64. <laughs> Stop it. And she's 64. Yeah, and I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, like, if I had her guns, my yes. word. Yes. <laughs> right. I was like. Just Bleh. one gun. Or just one. I know. I got to have them all. <laughs> got to have them all. No, but it, it was actually really shocking. And it's like, it was weird in a sense because it was like, we just barely had time to really grieve Mm-hmm. the Black Panther mm-hmm. and his passing. And yeah. then next thing you know, it felt like five minutes in the movie, they killed off Angela Bassett's character. And I'm like, I'm barely <laughs> grieving. I just got finished grieving the loss yeah. of Black Panther. Now yeah. I'm grieving her and too. And I'm kind right. of processing still how she died or how oh, she was cause killed. Because yeah. you see, cause like, so my second time watching is like really when I'm like really paying attention to things. And I'm like, okay, well you see her with Riri and she's, she's ascending up so she's like swimming up so i'm like okay everything is fine and then the next scene is like them coming in and then trying to revive her and i'm like how how did she not make it i don't understand <laughs> so that was a little that seemed a little off well, to me it, it i understood how that kind of happened i mean first of all she's a mom Mm-hmm. So as a mom, you're going to make sure that the yeah. kids behind you are going to make it first. And if right. she has to stand on the shoulders of mm. the queen to get out. Yeah. Okay. I could see that happening, yeah. but I could also see Namor because of what his intentions was mm-hmm. in some way, increasing the water level to a point where she would just drown and watching her and lettering oh her because God. of what his intention his was oh. and where he was going with, you know, rulership of both Wakanda mm-hmm. and the oceans. So I, yeah. I could see that. I understood. Yes. That was, so that scene, that was cold blooded when he was like, when he was like, uh, bury your dead, mourn your losses. You're the queen now. I was like, what? dude, Oh my mm-hmm. God. I don't know about you, Rosa, yeah, but I have like, something he to didn't about even, that. Yeah. He didn't even let her choose, you know, yeah. if she's ready or not. No, he, he made it happen for her. <laughs> um, in the worst possible way. Yeah. Nobody wants that. Well, I mean, and if you're looking at the first 10 minutes, 20 minutes mm-hmm. of the film where yeah. they're actually developing this relationship, mm-hmm. you know, and it seemed like it was going to go well and it was going to flow and that mm-hmm. maybe the two of them could, you know, bridge some gaps yes. between the two kingdoms. Right. And then he goes and does that. And it was like, well, there's no chance <laughs> in anywhere right. that there's going to be a relationship like that. Cause you just killed my mom right. and yeah. you watched my mom die when you could have done something. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cold. Absolutely cold. <laughs> blood. That's really cold. And that's not because they live in the water either. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Thanks, Fran Elisa. Thanks th- for that. I, I appreciate it. Um, anytime we can do puns on this uh, on podcast, I'm always... I welcome it. Um, I'm sorry. They're very corny. I apologize. <laughs> it's all right. I'm sure there's someone laughing, not like laughing with you and on that no, one. they're because laughing they're, at me. It's okay. <laughs> they can do that. Anyway. Okay. So, so um, of course, because there's so much to cover, but I really also, too, wanted to, of course, bring uh, attention to 
what this podcast is about, which is about representation in cinema. And one of the ways that we talk about true representation is being able to be our full selves. Um, and I remember us talking about this, Rosa, a little bit after the movie. Um, but how did you feel about indigenous people being blue? And then also to like them being underwater thoughts. Oh my God. <laughs> it's like, okay, can you just put us in a hole somewhere? <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't a fan. I mean, I understand what they were trying to do with mm-hmm. the mind people and, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of their um, kingdoms and a lot of their structures were uh, on water mm-hmm. and they used water to their advantage and mm-hmm. how they build their empires. But um, that's about it. That's <laughs> the only kind of association that I kind of see. Yeah. With blueness and water, mm-hmm. I don't know. I kept going to like Avatar. I don't know. <laughs> it was just really confusing. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I feel like if you're going to just try to represent a people like mm-hmm. the Mayans or Aztecs mm-hmm. or you know whichever one, I, I you know they kind of went back and forth with the uh, um, symbolism. So mm-hmm. it was interesting. It was hard to keep track. But mm-hmm. if you're going to concentrate on an indigenous people, just do them the service yeah. of, you know, identifying them and representing them correctly mm-hmm. as, you know, people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the, the, so like the hand gesture or the greeting that, um, you know, Neymar is, or, or Cuckoo Khan, I've had that, that I've had that like in my head the entire time, like just the way M'Baku says it in the film. I was just, <laughs> that was, but that's an aside. Um, that's just another thing we can get into. But so the, the hand gesture, the, the greeting that he gives his people. Uh, so apparently those were on um, like, like wall drawings and, and everything like that, um, you know, as part of that culture, which I thought was really cool. There's also other representation in the film as well that I wanted to draw attention to. So of course, so <clears throat> Um, to not, and please tell me if I'm butchering this. I practiced so many times mm-hmm. and still, for whatever reason, couldn't get it. The actor who plays Neymar, um, so Tenoch Huerta, um, okay, so Rosa's nodding her head, yes. Um, so, he, so you don't pronounce the H's, Huerta. Huerta? Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. See, we're learning things here. <laughs> learning things here, yes, because I want to do the actor's do justice or due diligence. Um, so he actually learned, so I, believe it's um you could so you could take maya for that that's what they okay it's one of 32 languages in the uh mayan family so that's actually what they're speaking throughout the film which i thought was which i thought was awesome so did i yeah 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 so they're, they're adding that in um and it's again talking about like full representation of a people um then we also have we already know that shuri is this genius you know this brilliant uh, person who is a scientist and does a lot of the you know develops a lot of the technology and everything I mean that's what the thing she was trying to do with trying to save her brother um that's what she used to develop the suit I mean she does a whole bunch of stuff but it's also now there's this other person in the mix so Riri who was introduced to us who is also known as Ironheart which we'll of course see later on like in other um Marvel films she, I mean, she goes to, to MIT. She is, people are paying her to like do their, to their homework assignments because she's so brilliant. She's 
built this um, vibranium detector. You know, it's why Neymar is going after her. Um, But it's like, we also, how many times, I mean, can you, can you recollect, especially in media where we're seeing black women in tech, right? Like, Mm -hmm. so there's that representation. um, And I thought that was great. Um, I mean, we're also seeing like other forms of representation. So Haitian representation as well. Mm-hmm. So um, when um, Nakia goes to Haiti, you know, the the depictions that we get of Haiti. That was beautiful. Yes. Yeah. Like it's, and it's even more beautiful in real life. Yeah. But <laughs> we don't often get to see that side right. of Haiti. Yeah, did you have more thoughts on that? Well, yeah. and it is just sad because usually when people talk about the Haitian people, what they're actually really focusing on mm-hmm. is the poverty, mm-hmm. the unrest, the civic unrest. Yeah. They're talking about the government and they're talking about those issues. They're not talking about the people. They're mm-hmm. not talking about how the people thrive. Yeah. They they allude basically through what they show through the poverty pieces, the the civil unrest that, you know, this is what black people look like yeah. on an island if they should happen to have an island of their own they're going to you know it's it's not going to be good right. period it's not good so mm-hmm. the fact that they focused on the beauty yeah. the scenery of the the water the people being healthy and happy right. the education system mm-hmm. in and of itself talking about people Absolutely. being educated right. to me that was amazing because yes. that's not a side of Haiti that you often see. Right. You see the crime. You see the you see all the miserable pieces, but you don't see the good pieces. So I deeply appreciated the fact that they added that right. into this piece of the film. Yeah. Right. Because that's well, what you they see w- what they want you to see. Yes. I mean, you know, Haiti is a very important country because it was they were the first enslaved African people that mm-hmm. revolted against their enslavers. And were successful. And were successful. <laughs> so you better believe they made sure that that never happened again. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, incredible. Um, so getting back to um, United that hearing, the United Nations hearing. Uh-huh. Um, seriously, for me, one of the more like badass moments um, of the film. I mean, the whole thing is, but like that in particular, I was just like, I just need a few more like watchings of like that specific scene. Cause it's just amazing. So Queen Ramonda says the following, you perform civility here, but we know what you whisper in your halls of leadership and in your military facilities. Thoughts when you immediately heard that. <laughs> mm-hmm. You want to hit that one first? <laughs> That was a good one, especially when they showed them like, oh, just being ready. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, that was that was an awesome scene. I loved it. Yeah, I was like, go girl, you get on me, tear them apart. Yes. Yeah, I, I, but I think that for me, it's like people think that people are stupid. Yeah. They don't. They under. They vastly underestimate a person's yeah. ability to understand and see what's going on. They very much treat. And I kind of feel like, in some way, even though Wakanda is supposed to be a superpower, yeah. I still think that in some way they treated it like it was a nascent. Oh, one hundred percent. And so you're not supposed to see that very we're going to try colonialism, yeah. right. which I think is a major theme, right. but. It, it was like, hey, you're not going to, you're not going to see what's coming. I mean, 
it's just going to be like all the other types of oppressive things that mm-hmm. we've done in the past. You're not going to see what's coming. Oh, wait, you saw what's coming. Mm-hmm. And not only did you see what's coming, you brought our guys here, mm-hmm. made them kneel before you, mm-hmm. which was a ultra yes. power move. Oh my gosh. So and then strength. said, I see you. Mm-hmm. you they, she said, I see you. Mm-hmm. Yes. That was something. Yes. That was something. Absolutely. There's the other thing, too, and this was like a reoccurring theme throughout, is that Wakanda is like the most technologically advanced country in the world, and they still look at them as primitive. Mm-hmm. Like there's mm-hmm. that thing they touch on so many times throughout the movie and in that scene, because she's talking about, and it, it got my, like it, I was recalling when hearing the, the, the French delegate, when she was talking about how, you know, taking care of like making sure you're like you taking care of your resources otherwise like it might you know you may handle it wrong or you know it's with it you can develop um, weapons of mass destruction and I was thinking about all of these countries trying to get back their artifacts from the British Museum oh yes Mm -hmm. and how the number one excuse is that well you don't know how to take care of them as if there isn't like as if, as you if, took like, it from us exactly like you stole <laughs> this from us like it was with us it was fine with us it was okay it was doing all right we and then you came good. along and you and and you ripped it from us well and it still bothers me that that actually really deeply resonated because i'm thinking to myself what about all the times you freaking pillaged mm. the diamond mines and you still do <laughs> still pillaging but we don't know how to take care of those resources. No. But you're pillaging and you're pitting people against each other, causing war and destabilization yes. so that you can continue to plunder. Mm-hmm. But we don't know what <laughs> we're doing. No, not at all. Uh, okay. Most technologically okay. advanced in the world, but still, you don't know anything. Okay, cool. You're just <sighs> a nascent country who hasn't really had dealings with people like us. And we're just so advanced culturally and educationally that we could just like do whatever we're going to do. <sighs> Sorry, sorry. <laughs> let me get off my. Let me get off my little. <laughs> okay, it's all I'm good, Annalisa. Seriously, seriously, no. Speak what you say. What you need to say, honestly. Oh, that's you don't that want is. Me to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm oh. saying I'm just saving up money to move to Nigeria. Seriously, mm. that's oh, my that's plan. Awesome. That sounds awesome. <laughs> I think you messaged that to me, and I was like, "That sounds like a great idea." Let's do it. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so thinking back to, um, well, posts that I've seen that I very much agree with about, like, Black Panther and so far this franchise having top-tier villains, um, when we talk about Killmonger and when we talk about Namor, do you think that they are on the, uh, they are two sides of the same coin? Mm, that was a hard one. I think that was like the first thing we talked about mm-hmm. after the movie. Just that, again, that symbolism of the, you know, I guess Hispanic people, right? And and I just really don't, I don't know, it makes me feel a certain way still, mm. you know, like yeah. that. It's almost like making it okay. Like, okay, we're showing it, you know, on cinema, but it's okay for black and brown people to feud and Mm. you know to fight each other and you know to be 
um, an opponent, an opposing sides. Mm -hmm. Well, it's not, you know, and it's just propagating that whole mentality that, you know, to separate us instead Mm -hmm. of, you know, coming together and, and joining. Um, So I'm a little, Mm -hmm. I feel a certain way about that. For sure. (laughs) Well, I also felt a certain way about it, but at the same time, I kind of appreciated it because one, it was bringing light to an issue amongst the two communities. Not, it's not that we're not aware of it. We are aware of it, but we, no one's really done much about it, Mm. you know? And it, it, when things like that happen, it almost feels like colonialists are intentionally playing on that divisiveness to continue to do what they need to do to get whatever it is they're trying to get resources, whatever. Mm -hmm. But what I fail to understand is why communities, Hispanic communities or Latinx communities, I'm not even sure what the appropriate word is anymore. I'm sorry. So please forgive me. (laughs) And then, African-American people or black people because mm-hmm. you know, for African-Americans, I mean, there's yeah, also oh, so there's many a different terms about that for too. that as well. So, <laughs> you know, I, I don't understand why we continue to let that sort of divisiveness thrive, you know, because when you're looking at colonialism, they did the same things to each of us because it worked. Mm-hmm. And why is it that we have not been able to overcome that divisiveness <coughs> and do something different? I know. It's weird. It's when I lived in in the Bronx, you better believe we had Puerto Ricans, Dominicans, Jamaicans, Haitians, Nigerians. We were all up in there, you know, doing our thing. We were friends. We were family. Mm -hmm. It was a union. It was a community. Uh, Monroe County is a whole different (laughs) definitely a different beast. It is not. I mean, they have done the work here. To divide and conquer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they've been successful. Yeah, they really have. And it really is up for us, up to us to do something different. So that's going to be my PC- PSA for the day. <laughs> we need to do something different, people. All of I us mean, together. We don't have to, you know, <laughs> run to their narrative. We don't have to walk to. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. No. For sure. Do you think those two villains are the same? Like in the way they I think they tried to make them the same. I think they tried to align their um you know, their interests some way, mm-hmm. but I don't think it was I don't know. Yeah, I think there's two distinct and separate goals mm-hmm. that they were trying that they're trying to achieve, but the methodology to get there mm-hmm. may have been the same. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. No, I, I, I would agree with that, too, the methodology. Because mm-hmm. I just kept thinking back to it because I remember, and of course there's, there's always discourse, and I remember getting into debates with people about, like, whether Killmonger was right. Because um, I was like, okay, we're not, like, I, I, I wouldn't side, I wouldn't necessarily side with Killmonger, though I can see why, like, I can see the reason why, mm-hmm. you know, he he did what he did and the same with Namor. I can see why he did what he did to, you know, to a point. Um, but I don't know if I necessarily would agree with the methodology. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, like the intent, you know, you can understand yeah. that. Yeah. How they went about it. Okay. So I don't know if y'all are like me where you I also. So for. 
for movies, I'm usually paying attention to the score as well. Um, and I wanted to play a clip from um, Wakanda Forever, of course. Um, the song, that's still the title of the song is actually Wakanda Forever, and it is the main theme for when Shuri then, you know, comes in and she is the Black Panther. Um, so I wanted to get your reaction to that, and I'll play a small clip here. for me it was interesting mm-hmm. because before that there were some things that was happening with her mm-hmm. you know yeah. and you really weren't quite sure which way mm-hmm. sure it was gonna go mm-hmm. so when you, the, you heard the music yes my heart I, I felt a little trepidation I yes. think because I was like yeah. I'm not entirely sure if sure he's gonna be a good guy yeah or a bad guy. And I think that's what I think. So uh, Ludwig uh, Gorenson is the composer mm-hmm. um, for this. Uh, and he, if you listen to his other work, it's incredible. I think that was the exact point. Because exactly. it is a combination. So if you go back and you listen to the original. So if you listen to the whole song, like that whole song. And then if you listen back to the main theme from Black Panther. And then you listen to Killmonger's theme. It's like a mix Right. Of the two. Right. And so when you, when I, cause I was doing the same thing. Like when I heard that, I was like, okay, which way is she like going? Like, is she going to go the Killmonger way? Is she going to be more like her brother? And you know, like she, she doesn't want to be like him because of course there's, you know, there's dialogue and you, you're hearing all of this stuff from her and, and all of the, like everything within her, you know, that's like, fighting you know one another you know that side or that side and everything like that and so when i hear her this i was like number one this sounds like badass and like the scene of it she's dropping in you know you know and jabari and i'm just like oh my god this is amazing but then i'm also like wait hang on what is she going to do there's a lot of turmoil you can feel it and then the 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 music definitely Mm-hmm. you know brings you up to that like yeah the edge of your seat like yeah. okay what's it, gonna it happen? really built up on your excitement mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so it's like you really wasn't sure again you yeah. really weren't sure where she was gonna go yeah. and no. i don't even and think it was towards the end that i still knew so exactly where she was gonna <laughs> right. go with all of that exactly you know but you know wow that was the score yes. awesome yes 100 mm-hmm. percent um any any funny moments that stood out to you? Because, I mean, I feel like there were several. Man, I think my favorite <laughs> part is when uh, <laughs> when she calls him the colonizer. Yes! That, that to me is always going to strike me as hilarious that somebody is bold enough and has enough balls to call a colonizer a colonizer. Yes. I mean, come on. 
Oh, oh my god! It's hilarious. I'm sorry. My I just loved composer. that cute baby little Chadwin Boseman when he came out oh. at the end. Oh, oh yeah. God. I know. It's a huge spoiler. But no, I mean, this is all. I warned them. I warned <laughs> them beforehand. Them. So there you go. <laughs> but that was like yeah. my, oh. And the, <laughs> I know. The that was exciting. Face. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Those jigs. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you apologizing? On this podcast, we get to do what we want. Okay. It's fine. I'm, gonna do whatever I want. I'm not going to apologize for it. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. You. I'm here. Um, <laughs> I think in any time I hear it or anyone reference this point, so when Mbaku, like to Okoye, is like, you bald headed demon. And I'm just like, what in that the was world? Good. That was hilarious. <laughs> That was freaking hilarious to me. I was like, really? He was so good. By the way, Mbaku, um, also known as Winston Duke, is actually a former Rochesterian. Went to school at Brighton High School. Yeah. That's awesome. So that's some local Rochester represents. Exactly. (laughs) Seriously. Um, Okay. Uh, Some other things uh, that I wanted to get into here. Um, okay. So do you think that the, the movie and Marvel, I think has this problem in general, but do you think that this movie was at all like queer baiting? Cause there is like, so there's a couple, there's, um, Anika and Ao. So you see towards the end, like they're obviously together, but then like the dynamic between, Shuri and Riri do you think that like again like you would say Wakanda Forever is kind of guilty of queer baiting or what are your thoughts okay so I have one thing with Aniko mm-hmm. and Ayo mm-hmm. that caught me off guard yeah because at no other point mm-hmm. did they ever discuss that right as something that was occurring mm-hmm. and yeah. so when you get towards the end you still didn't see any of that until you got to almost the very end. So yeah. it felt very forced mm. and very unnatural to me. Yeah. Like it was like, oh, we're just going to, you know, we, we threw a lot of this in. Yeah, we, we had black people in here. Right. We're going to check, right. check the box yeah. for <laughs> warriors. We're going to check the box for this. And oh, oh yeah, wait, yeah. we forgot. Like, we, <laughs> forgot we forgot queer. We forgot queer. Let's add the queer factor. Oh my God. So freaking amazing. <laughs> and, and so in that, I'm like, disappointed because if you're going to make that into a story you should have took more time to Mm. build that Mm storyline way before you got to the end of the movie where you couldn't even explore that as an option or an opportunity Mm -hmm. it 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 just felt very forced and with shuri and um riri riri to me that wasn't really i don't think that's what that was to me at least to me that was more like a mentor mentee type relationship okay you know, because they're both in tech, mm-hmm. they're both appreciative of each other's brain. Mm-hmm. Um, they pushed each other yeah. to kind of do things a little bit differently. So I felt like it was more of a mentor mentee type thing. Yeah. Could it have been something else? Sure, mm-hmm. but they did. They needed to do a lot more work to build that storyline yeah. as a possibility. Versus, you know, let's, let's do a little subtle that, a little subtle that, because you really didn't know exactly what it was. Mm. It was yeah. something though. <laughs> Just don't it, know it what. More, I don't know. I felt it more like a sister bond oh, okay. with them because yeah. you know the mom gave her life for her and all. I don't know <laughs> that whole thing, but um, no, maybe. 
but yeah, it definitely yeah. seemed forced. I feel like for a lot of the characters in the movie, especially you know what they wanted to consider queer characters, mm-hmm. um, it wasn't developed enough, and they should have spent the time to really develop mm-hmm. those relationships. Yeah. So you know, they could be meaningful. Yeah. It could have been a really interesting, meaningful, yeah. you know, storyline. Right, because then now this person, now they both have something more, like, to lose, mm-hmm. right? So if you build that up throughout the mm-hmm. story, oh, shoot, is, you know, is one of them going to die? You know, all these different things. You could bring that into the mix. And then, of course, then it establishes it more. The thing is, is, like, they built it outside of the movie because there were all these articles that are talking about mm. there's a queer couple in it. Ooh, like, you know, like... Here it is, mm-hmm. but it's not, it's only ever talked about at length outside of the film. And mm-hmm. inside the film, it's like, all of a sudden, oh, here, here they are. And we're like, oh, okay. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so, like I, I knew it going in, but of course, like, no, that's not, not everyone's going to be paying attention to that. You should develop it within the film while we exactly. have people in the no. theater. Yeah. And it, even if they wanted to go like the, you know, like spirit flames, or if they wanted mm-hmm. to go like, the more indigenous route like you know because back in the days there weren't like wife and husband Mm. and you know Mm -hmm. like relationships were different Mm -hmm. and they actually made communities more bonded and Mm -hmm. more you know fueled together Mm -hmm. because everybody loved each other and and they would give their life for you so well i'm gonna add to that and i'm gonna say something that people might not appreciate but Mm -hmm. i think the way that they developed that quote-unquote storyline because i'm gonna for a lack of better words, because to me it wasn't a storyline, mm. it felt disrespectful. Mm. You know, to me it was like, okay, we're just going to throw this in here to say that, okay, black love, and mm-hmm. it happens to be black love between two women. Mm-hmm. Without developing the story, without understanding how those relationships evolved, mm-hmm. without even talking more about queer love mm-hmm. I think was very much disrespectful to the queer community yeah so I mean it was great that they tried <laughs> they should have did a little better job yeah. though they oh, yeah. certainly should have done a better job of that of course. absolutely um okay so there was something that we were talking about um Annalisa before about uh, opinion that someone had about emasculation <sighs> this is for all of the Marvel bros by the way anyway <laughs> And Lizzie, you want to? Okay. First of all, I'm going to read the definition of what emasculation is. Emasculate means to deprive a man of his role or identity, to make weaker or less effective. You know, so people have been talking about whether or not Wakanda Forever has successfully emasculated the black man by not giving him a stronger role within the film by allowing a group of female warriors do most of the fighting because of the way Shuri mm-hmm. talked to her advisors. They had a problem with that saying that she, that the movie totally emasculated black men. So <laughs> my thought and answer is, is 
where were all these people when we were talking, looking at films like Tina Turner talking about toxic masculinity? Mm-hmm. Why weren't we talking about, you know, things like that? But we, we have this film here where it's showing strong black women. Mm-hmm. It also is also kind of reflective of what some women's reality is that you have to be stronger. You have to be able to overcome. You have to achieve. You have to be able to take care of your family. You have to be able to do those things. Mm-hmm. But to, Put your whole thought of emasculation into this. First of all, it's a, it's a Marvel comic, people. <laughs> it's a comic. Get over yourselves. Second of all, again, it is some people's reality. But third, you know, it's just, I think it's just utterly ridiculous. Yeah. I wonder who's saying this, too. Like, Well, I it, could tell you, yeah. but no, I don't want to give voice to I these people. I no, guess oh, not. Well, yeah. No, that's, I don't want to give voice to them. There you go. I mean, it's kind of like, I don't know, it seems very white supremacy mindset to me, you know, to always have the man, well, the white man, but in this case, there weren't any white men, so I guess. I mean, there was Everett Ross, but that's it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the thing of it is, though, is that there are tons of thriving matriarchal yes. societies out yes there. i mean we've got the bribri in costa rica we got the moja in kenya um we've got the Khan of ghana mm. those are matriarchal societies yeah. mm-hmm. so i don't understand i mean even at best if this was i can't even say that because that's not what it was i mean mm-hmm. it's a it, it's a film mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, i don't feel like it emasculated men at all mm-hmm. um I do think that it showed the strength of women, the empowerment of women, which, you know, because of where we have been as a society and always kind of kept under Mm -hmm. to actually elevate women was actually a really good thing. And not just, you know, women of color. Women of color. Exactly. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Exactly. We haven't been given, you know. No. And that to me was representation as well. (laughs) Right, Rosa? I mean, it's representation. Yes. It's black women representation. We can be strong. We can thrive. We Mm -hmm. do thrive. We are strong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But even with that, like, this film also showed us, like, in a safe space, being able to exhume all of these different emotions, right? Because we're not just showing strength. We're also showing grief. We're also showing anger. We're, we're also, also showing, showing beauty. Yes. We're showing kindness. Yes. So it's like a full range of emotions. And like that so often in society, we're not allowed to be that. Or we, again, get stuck with the black women the strong black women trope right mm-hmm. and i was like no i am someone who Stronger is don't call angry. me strong like i like <laughs> you don't want to be whole, angry though right oh yeah exactly you don't want to be angry either that's the oh, whole no. that's a whole other <laughs> that's a whole other thing but that's the thing is like in this movie we were allowed to like be they, they were allowed to fully be themselves yeah it felt yeah. more authentic yeah mm-hmm. for sure yeah oh my goodness um let's see any stand out performances or um, in particular, I think what I've seen at least across like different conversations and everything like that is that they are actually looking at um, this movie as um, a potential contender for Oscars and not only just in like technical categories, but also with Angela Bassett with her performance 
thoughts on that? Oh, my God. If she doesn't get something, some award for this. I think she's like one of the women of color that has never had uh, an Oscar, which yeah. is insane. Yeah. If you think about her Her filmography. Her work. Like, yeah. Well, yeah. So many roles. Her body of work is incredible. It and really she is. She was, yeah. she definitely deserves an Oscar for this performance. She was amazing. Yeah. But I'm I always think she's she amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't. Don't, don't, don't do it. I don't cry. Don't cry. She'll come back as the spirit. Oh, well, know, she, right? she did for like a, like two seconds. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. She'll be back. <laughs> yeah, she'll come back and advise Shuri. There you go. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's still rough. I'm still trying to, Yo. <laughs> trying to get over that one. Oh, my God. Was, um... Okay, so for you, Annalisa, was your theater like super quiet that first? Like, there was like for the, so for the funeral procession, and then when they went to that Marvel logo with just Chad with Bozeman, like honoring him, was your theater when you went to go see it? Was it completely silent? No, you nope. heard a lot of sniffling, a lot of tears, <laughs> really people blowing their noses. Oh, you my heard God. a lot of that when. When uh, they were playing that the first few minutes, wow! Yeah. I didn't hear. I didn't hear anything. No, not th- it was like was focused. You could hear a pin drop. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like that's how quiet it was. Mm-hmm. Like I felt like I was back in the theater watching. Um, I think it was like I saw when I saw a quiet place. Like because the whole point of that movie is like you're supposed to be quiet and everyone like you can't hear anything. <laughs> it's like, but it was like a, of course like a different kind of silence. I didn't hear. I was expecting to hear like all the sniffles and stuff, and I didn't hear. A single thing so that's interesting well maybe it was me crying I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very distinct possibility i was listening to myself freaking tear up and cry but. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh man um any other thoughts for this film no, do you want yeah. people to walk away from or wake up, walk away with you know one of the things that i think that caught my attention was when Shuri found the ability to recreate um, the the orb, yeah. To, I mean, to me, there was like when she did that, and she was sitting there planting. First of all, I don't know if any of you guys noticed, but did you notice it was heart shaped? Yes, mm-hmm. it yes. was heart shaped. One, but two, it was like unbeknownst to her, mm-hmm. she was going to be able to assist the next Black Panther into assuming yeah. and, and claiming his role as the Black Panther, which was her nephew, who she didn't even know existed at that point. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. to me, that was, like, really powerful. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. you, we do things sometimes and not understand the full effect of what it can be or what exactly. it will be. And the fact that she, almost in some form of faith, mm-hmm. you know, put mm-hmm. this heart-shaped orb back into the earth and was building on the legacy that she didn't even know was going to exist. That to me was powerful. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Absolutely. Oh. I really enjoyed all the, I mean, even though it could have been developed more, I liked all the um, indigenous representation and, and definitely more representation of like African culture mm-hmm. and what that really looks like. Um, yeah. It was beautiful. The yeah. cin- cinematography was just, God, it was amazing. oh my gosh, yes. I was in constant awe. So so good, yeah. <laughs> uh yeah. I I really enjoyed this one. Um, I'm still kind of recovering from it. 
because that was a lot. That was a it was. lot. And I saw it twice and I'm like, oh my God. Like I didn't, I didn't expect it to affect me as much the second time, but it really did. Cause then you notice more things like mm-hmm. Killmonger's whole line about referring to black Americans as the lost tribe. Yes, that got that me. was something that got me. That was I was something. like, and here come the tears once again. Like I was like, uh, what? Cause that's an entirely, that's a whole other discourse about absolutely, you know, being disconnected right from Africa mm-hmm. and whether or not we're considered, you know, part of that diaspora, which we are, but like there's this whole mindset like that we're not really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's so, a disconnect for yeah. sure. Yeah. So whew, that got me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we have to try to keep, you know, not letting that be a barrier to, to connecting to our African roots. Because mm-hmm. they're so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Let's keep learning. Keep growing. Learning about those roots. Getting that full representation um, in cinema. Well, I want to thank both of you again for being on the podcast. This was an amazing conversation. Thank you all so much. Well, thank thank you, you for the invite. I really appreciate you. I and love doing these. Yes, so absolutely. Fun. We'll have to have you Same. both back again, of course. <laughs> okay, and then to our listeners, thank you so much for your support of Our Voices Project and our representation in Cinema Podcast. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and at www.ourvoicesproject.com for more information about what we do. You can sign up for our newsletter there, too, to be the first to get notifications about podcast episodes and new projects. You can listen to this episode and others under representation in cinema on any of the platforms listed on our website at ourvoicesproject.com slash podcast. This has been Jackie McGriff, your host for the ep- this episode of Representation in Cinema of Our Voices Project. Thank you again for listening. This episode of Representation in Cinema was recorded at the Food About Town studio and brought to you by Curate Meals. Curate makes it easy to experience and support the wide range of Rochester's diverse restaurants. You order a meal that feeds two people for $35, and all you have to do is pick it up at Three Heads Brewing. They even pick a beer that goes best with the food that day. Go to curatemeals.com and order for upcoming events on Wednesday, November 30th and December 14th. Thanks again to Curate for sponsoring this episode.